Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Wow. It shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't take this long. Welcome to the Weekend Update with Dave DeFore and Keith Parrish. Every Monday on The Athletic NBA Show. It did the same thing to me that it's intended to do to the world. Ding, ding! I have access to information wow. that the public doesn't. Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on The Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish for your Weekend Update. Coming up... Rivalry weekend was amazing. Joel Embiid was dominant. The Lakers got hosed. And the Timberwolves have found some good vibes. Before we start, don't forget you can get this podcast without ads by subscribing at theathletic.com slash NBA show. Joel Embiid scored 47 points in Nikola Jokic's eye to lead the 76ers to a victory 126 119 over the Denver Nuggets in what has been dubbed a rivalry game and Joel Embiid treated like a personal mission statement, Keith. This game ruled if you love huge guys doing awesome stuff. Uh, I do, Dave, and it did, in fact, rule. I was blown away by the performance of Joel Embiid. You know, after the game, he was very diplomatic, like, you know, saying, like, you know, it's not really a rivalry, which is basically what everyone said after every rivalry week game. Maybe, come on, guys, get on the same board. Uh, league partners here. It's rivalry week. Get with it. But they're like, no, you know, Jokic is a good guy is what Embiid was saying, and he's a great player, obviously, and I just, we just want to get the win, most important thing. But you know there's extra to this, and his performance was so spectacular. To be the runner-up each of the past two seasons and to find himself, you know, as far as betting odds-wise, he's not the favorite again. Like, Jokic's still the favorite. For him on his home court to have this massive performance, it's huge, and it's the kind of thing that sways these uh, races for the awards. And, like, the first half, it was like, oh, my gosh, Jokic is just the best player on the planet because he, he was doing his thing. We're super hyper-efficient, throwing all the dimes the Nuggets are winning. But then second half, I mean, maybe we credit Doc Rivers with coaching adjustment. P.J. Tucker playing a lot of great defense on, on Jokic. The Sixers have been so good recently. Now they're building off that West Coast trip they had where they won all the West Coast games. And then, you know, just Embiid, just with the uh, – this is not the advanced stats, Dave. 28 points in the second half, just getting buckets. Just him going right at Jokic over and over and over, getting buckets and getting the win. Like you said, it was a titanic clash, and it was uh, very impressive from Embiid. And honestly, Joel Embiid sort of embodies what we want out of the the idea of rivalry week. I mean, he went at the Brooklyn Nets in particular, went at yeah. Ben Simmons every single yeah. time he could in the post. He went at Jokic here. I mean, th look, Keith, this is the stuff that made us love the NBA and love basketball back in the day because these guys would take these sort of matchups personally. I mean, Embiid has come in second place to Jokic back-to-back -back years in the MVP race. I mean, that means something right. to a guy like Joel Embiid. He has a chip on his shoulder. He talked about it in the game, in the post game. 
you know, he even said it was like, I don't necessarily have a chip, but I do feel the disrespect. I mean, he's not going to be a starter in the Eastern Conference for the right. All-Star team. And he literally might win the MVP award this year, Keith. It's kind of insane. And we, we talked about this on Basketball Buds, which, you know, you guys will catch next. But uh, it is a little bit disrespectful. And I appreciate when a guy like Joel Embiid with this much talent comes out and says, hey, you know what? I could bark and I could complain and I could post on social media or I could drop 47 and 18 on the MVP. I love that. Yeah, I loved it too. And, you know, the him not being an all-star starter is just a weird aberration. I know it is once it's, it's disrespectful, but if you ask everyone who's interested in these things, everyone's like, there's four guys and it's hard to parse them. One guy's going to get left out because of the antiquated positional rules of, of the all-star game. But yeah, I do like that Embiid because of that. And it felt scripted. I know we're not supposed to talk about the NBA being scripted. What with the officials making some a couple mistakes here and there. But like this felt honestly scripted where like it is rivalry week. It is national TV. It's on Saturday. And this is the perfect storyline for Sixers fans is Embiid coming out having 47 and 18 and getting that big win over over Jokic. And got to say, uh, for, for Jokic's part, I mean, he did have 24 nine assists, eight rebounds, but seven turnovers, which yeah, is... Six of those in the second half, by the way, Dave. That's yeah, right. I mean, Pretty high for Jokic. And, uh, you know, was was minus one for the game, which does not happen very often. At 38 minutes, he's minus one, and usually they win those Jokic minutes. Um, when they lose them, they lose the game. Uh, back to the Sixers, because they've been playing some amazing basketball. James Harden was... Pretty damn good in this game. Had 17 points, 13 assists, and zero turnovers again, Keith. This guy is absolutely cooking. Right. I mean, Harden's been on a tear for, I don't know what the exact cutoff is, where all his games, uh, the stats are basically flawless. It's been several weeks now. You even got contributions from, like, Tobias Harris, who had was basically invisible in the first half. He had a huge second half. And they're just getting it from everybody, like Maxi, uh, Melson in, in this lineup. George Yang keeps banging threes every single game. Embiid has said this is the best Sixers team he's been on. And it, it feels like it right now that they certainly seem to be peaking. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. In Boston, Patrick Beverly grabbed a camera from a courtside photographer and got a technical from a referee. And if I only told you that, you'd say, wow, that's a weird game. Keith, we had a weird finish to this game in Boston. The Celtics wind up winning in overtime 125 to 121. But the story of how we got there really goes through Patrick Beverly. Hits a huge late three, has a huge 
follow tip dunk, misses a free throw. I and fell then- out of my chair. On the on the dunk, Dave, it fell was right out of my chair. Yeah. Uh, was he drug tested? That's what we got to find out. <laughs> we got to find then out. Then LeBron James is fouled at the buzzer in a tie game by Jason Tatum, and it's pretty clear that yeah. he's fouled. And um, it's a no call, Keith. And I know that you're Mr. Referee, and you're here on behalf of the Referee Supporters Association. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a missed call, and, and I just want to give them a lot of credit. For owning it right away. Well, it was a gigantic missed call. It's a type of missed call you can't have. Um, they, yeah, they immediately recognized, yeah, you know, we, we, we missed that. Um, in the moment, they said it. They've since come out on Sunday and basically apologized and saying, like, we have sleepless nights for missing these calls. Listen, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't remember you uh, sending these releases out. Don't write out me a when Drake song about it. When it wasn't LeBron James affected, when it wasn't the Lakers affected, we've had plenty of missed calls that have, you could say, cost a game because it was the final possession of a game. Like, that happens. The errors happen. And I think if I am going to defend referees, that I do notice that the outrage that people have over referees is never consistent. If a referee made a call that you're like, it's frequently say, hey, let the players decide the game. Hey, don't, you know, like, like, like don't, don't let a, a lane violation or a three-second call or a five-second call or even like a not hard foul decide the game. And on this one, they did let the players decide the game. But like, yeah, you miss an obvious foul. And like, we've had ones where like they go back and review block charges and they get the calls right. And people are like, well, why'd they review it? You know, we, we kind of the, the basket. It's an imperfect science trying to officiate and adjudicate these things. I don't envy the task these guys had. We can also say all of that, all those caveats, and acknowledge it feels like it's been a particularly rough year with a lot of notable mistakes at the end of games. I mean, the Lakers have certainly uh, had their fair share in the past couple of weeks on final possession things where it gets blown, and you're like, yep, that seemed pretty obvious. I mean, some of them, again, you have to consider line of sight. You have to consider, like, there's bodies in the way. They don't have slow motion. Like, it, that was obvious to see from above, you know. But when, like, the guy with the ball drives in for a layup and gets smacked on the forearm, those are the ones where you're kind of like, I am slightly confused how the human error occurred right there. I'd rather just call the foul because then they can at least go to the review. And, you know, by not calling, you can't review anything. And I'm, I'm anti-review. Overall, and this yeah. gives us plenty to talk about. But I think that review needs to just go away if you can't review this instance in particular. I mean, this was a this was a huge call. It cost the Lakers the game. And by the way, LeBron was awesome in this game. Legitimately awesome. Forty one points, nine rebounds, eight assists. He was for in forty four minutes. By the way, played so many minutes in this game, and he was fantastic. The Lakers have turned into this scrappy kind of underdogish team that I find myself oddly rooting for. I talked about this on buds, but Keith, they were robbed in this game and we were robbed of LeBron being able to put kind of a capstone on another marquee performance at his age. He's closing in on Kareem and he puts up 41. This is insane. Kareem was scoring like eight points a night when he finished off the record. It's true. Although I, you got to say Kareem at age 38 was also uh, scoring a lot of points too. He had not totally tailed off at that point. He was still quite good. No, you say like it was disappointing, obviously for LeBron having this big game, but w- one of the negative effects of this big game is like, he's actually sitting out on Monday against the Nets. And so 
that is kind of the issue where where AD comes back, but now AD and LeBron uh, are not going to be there. I guess uh, Rui Hachimura breakout game. But like the Lakers, like you said, they're, they're scrappy and they're they're fun to watch. And also, you never know when Patrick Beverly is going to grab a prop and and pick up a technical foul to start overtime. I guess it was worth it for the nonstop meme potential we now the memes have are out these of images. Control. The memes but are that out of control. also maybe so not much. the best moment um, to pick up that technical foul. The referees know they messed up. I'm I'm a, the referees probably knew they messed up within seconds of it occurring. Like not every referee is going to be primary watching that play. The guy who kicked the the call probably knew it immediately, and then his 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 uh, his partners probably realized it soon after. Like all right, we messed this up. But then Patrick Beverly compounds the problem um, by doing these theatrics. And uh, I don't know. It's rough, Dave. I actually feel myself having sympathy for Lakers fans, and I don't like being in that situation. I know. It really is rough. And, um, (laughs) you know, we should – maybe we're going to be the only ones that talk about the Celtics in this game because they actually pick up a win. Um, Jalen Brown and and Jason Tatum continue to prove to be a perfect pairing. When Tatum gets a little shy late game – Jalen Brown tends to step up and get aggressive. He attacks the basket, hits a huge game-tying three that wound up sending the game to overtime and takes over in overtime. Um, It is unique to have two guys that can attack, especially with the sort of size that they have and and the aggressiveness. 67 points from your two best players is not a lot of times that you're going to lose those sorts of games, especially when you can get 26 off the bench from a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. Especially when the referee can swallow their whistle on the final play, um, Dave. No, I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are obviously incredible. They're the dream of every NBA team, to have those huge wings with size who can score. It's what the Clippers dream of, the nights that Kawhi and Paul George play. Uh, So, yeah, Tatum and Brown, huge uh, games. But honestly, I missed most of overtime because I was just saving Patrick Beverly pictures to my computer and uh, and queuing up for future meme usage. Keith, I know that these two teams are both in New York, but... I mean, are the Nets and Knicks actually a rivalry? No. Yeah, didn't feel no, like it. No, the Nets don't have any rivals. I've, yeah, I mean, I've talked to I've talked to Nets fans about this. They have no rival. They they uh, Brooke Lopez is their all time career leading scorer. Like they 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 barely have a history. They don't. They have fans, but uh, you know, again, maybe there are passionate Nets fans out there. You can reach out. The Nets fans that I know, who who live there. Are like, no, 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 we do not have a passionate fan base. We have no rivals. Well, the Nets continue to play pretty good basketball in spite of the absence of Kevin Durant, and they pick up a win over a decent Knicks team. Like, the Knicks have actually been pretty scrappy. 122-115, the Nets beat the Knicks on Saturday, that big rivalry day. Kyrie Irving had 32 points in this game. Nick Claxton, this guy, Nick Claxton's the breakout guy from this season. Had 13 points, 12 rebounds. Six assists and three blocks. How many guys do you think have ever had that kind of line, Keith? Not that we looked it up before the show. We're not going to now. But Nick Claxton is the breakout star for the Nets this year. It continues to get it done at both ends now. Yeah, the offensive numbers. Like, we know Claxton is a shot-blocking monster. But the way he's scoring the basketball, the way he's, like, finishing through contact, he he almost has some Euro steps now. Like, where he can absorb contact and, like, finish layups. It's very, very impressive. And, like, it's a, it's another part of this Nets team continuing to find success, even with Durant on the shelf. But the story, it's got to be Kyrie's fourth quarter. Another 20-point fourth quarter. It's his fourth one of the season, uh, scoring 20 or more in the fourth quarter. 
the guy just is an unbelievable basketball player. And when they flank him with shooting, and that's what this game was, it was like the Knicks are pounding it down low, but it's a math problem. The Nets are going to give up those buckets inside because eventually they're going to keep knocking down a three, and that three versus two just didn't work out for the Knicks. Well, it works out pretty well for the Nets when you go 22 of 40 from three, and the Knicks only shot 28 threes overall. Uh, You know, you got to give respect to Jalen Brunson, 26 in this game. R.J. Barrett had 24. I mean, they just don't have the depth in in New York. Uh, Not in Brooklyn, but in New York. They don't have the depth, and they, they tend to just run on fumes. Hartenstein hasn't really worked out for them. Obi Toppin, you know, is is kind of waxes and wanes between effective and ineffective. Um, but Jalen Brunson is is a star. I, I hope that they can get a guy around him uh, that that can actually produce. They really need, like, they needed like a Miles Turner, who just signed an extension. Oh, you think so? Uh, for another couple seasons to to be with the Pacers, but they needed another. They need another guy, I think. But the Knicks are getting started. They're scrappy right now. Um, but yeah, this is uh it's not a rivalry. You're forcing this one. Yeah, you're fo- you're forcing this one. Obviously the the geography makes it work. And they gave us a great game. So I'm not not too upset about my rivalry week having Knicks and Nets. I think the Knicks are in a fine position. They have Jalen Brunson going forward. You know, Julius Randle's having a great year and they're they're set up where they can keep building with this team. They don't have to make any rash decisions at the trade deadline. I'm not sure Miles Turner is going to move the needle for them. I love Miles Turner. Uh, picking up that extension a game after the Pacers give up 85 in a first half. Give up a franchise record 85 points in a first half, and they're like, let's lock down Miles Turner. And that's our defensive stalwart. I'm just kidding, Miles. I know it wasn't all your fault. Well, you guys know here on the Daily Ding, we love winners. And we got to give some respect to the Minnesota Timberwolves, 7-3 and three in their last 10. Keith, they picked up a couple of big wins over the weekend. They beat Everyone's favorite team, the Sacramento Kings, but they also beat your favorite team, the Memphis Grizzlies. And now, sitting in the sixth seed in the West, after we gave up on them, Keith, we thought they were done. The vibes were lost. Yeah, they, uh, they've they been playing incredibly well. Anthony Edwards, I mean, speaking of stars, that guy is outrageous, averaging 34 points per game in his last five Basically gets five, six, seven assists every night as well. He's made over 25 threes in his last five games. Like, the guy's a monster. And they're figuring stuff out that it's just get him the ball. And they're figuring out what to do with Gobert. The starting front court of Gobert and my guy Kyle Anderson has been really, really effective. Kyle Anderson averaging over six assists per game in the month of January. This Timberwolves team, it feels like they're back from the dead. They were... I'm honestly a laughing stock after the Gobert trade with how poorly it was going. People were calling them. it the worst trade in forever, Keith. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was we were 40 games into the season and people were ready to just say Rudy Gobert is not an effective basketball player anymore, which uh, you know, it yeah. was rough because they even they even strung together a couple of wins then Gobert comes back and they snap the Rockets losing streak. They lose to the Rockets, but They bounce back from that. Very resilient. They go out and beat three teams ahead of them in the standings. They beat the Pelicans, they beat the Grizzlies, and the Kings in succession. And now, like you said, they find themselves in sixth. And it's all about, this is the late push for Anthony Edwards to be an all-star reserve. I don't know if the coaches are going to be moved by this last-second push, but he's been absolutely incredible. And they have a chance on Monday to continue this way. They they have a rematch with the Kings. uh, Two straight games against the Kings. So 
Minnesota with a big opportunity to keep climbing those Western Conference standings. And, and this is an important rematch, too, because they're only two games back of the Kings for the three seed. So if they win this game, all of That's a right. sudden, Keith, I mean, yeah. we've got ourselves a real playoff race happening in the West. I don't know who's going to make it. Anthony Edwards, by the way, a couple, couple little notes. He's shooting like 44% on catch-and-shoot threes. And if you look at his career trajectory, he is one day going to break Steph Curry's all-time three-pointers made record. It's almost guaranteed oh, based on volume. He's on pace? That volume is insane. I mean, you talk about how many threes he's making uh, yeah. and, and taking. I mean, and this is the secret to his success. The more threes he, he takes and makes, I think the better they're going to be. So put the ball yeah. in Anthony Edwards' hands and flourish in Minnesota. It, would you trade Carl Anthony Towns? Well, I mean, it's that's a difficult yeah, question. Ooh, yeah, I'm not a Timberwolves. I'm not a Timberwolves fan, so yes. Yeah, but of um, like I know Timberwolves fans, like we're doing this all without Carl Anthony Towns. But I do think there's a real question: How does Cat fit in with what you have going on? Like, we don't want to take any touches away from Anthony Edwards. It has to be Anthony Edwards's team, and Kyle Anderson has been this glue guy for everything they have going on. Like, I believe they can work in my head. Kyle Anderson playing alongside Cat works perfectly. In my head, the fit with Gobert is a little bit worse, but Kyle's been one of the few guys that seems consistently able to find Gobert for the lobs for a little two-man game. So, like, you know, it's a it's a good problem to have for the Timberwolves to to work Carl Anthony Towns back into the mix and then try to figure out how they can maintain this positive momentum with one of their best players. And I get the best player they've had you know, the last five, ten years. Um, it's just going to be a chemistry issue and, you know, from an outsider, I'd say, yes, try to recoup some of those picks you sent away. I mean, Bear should be a way to at least get the Gobert package for Carlos. Just know it's Anthony Edwards' team, and every decision going forward is, how does this help Anthony Edwards' uh, ascension into being an MVP caliber player? That is exactly right, and that is going to do it for today's show, folks. Thank you guys for listening. For Keith Parrish, I'm Dave DeFore. Keith Go home. Ding, ding. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.